Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, I'm actually re-recording with a new guest co-host. She would have been a prior co-host, but we decided to relaunch, re-record, and get her partner in crime, so to speak, on the call with us. So that's right. We're going double guest co-host today, ladies and gentlemen. And one of the reasons why is because it wouldn't be the same without them because that is their brand. Uh, these two provide women, men, organizations. They provide them with practical, effective techniques to break through, this is something important these days, gender bias in the workplace. And they're multi-authors. We got Breaking Through Bias. We're going to talk about that. Uh, it's not you. It's the workplace. And a lot more going on. So without further ado, the owners of AndyAndAl.com. Andy and Al, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Scott. Glad to be here. We're very happy to be co-hosts with you. Yeah, right? So uh, by the way, real quick, just for fun, how about technology, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a little private joke, ladies and gentlemen, because we had a little technical difficulties last time with with, uh, Andrea, and then... Now we have a few technical difficulties again, but we got through it. We survived. (laughs) I think there's some gremlins in the computer, but we did survive. And thanks for being so patient. Oh, believe me. I've been doing this for going on three years. I'm used to it now. So, and that's why I was like, when people have technical difficulties, I'm like, well, I've been there myself when I first launched the show. So, but you guys do this a lot as well. So I just thought it was funny that for some reason, our show brings out the gremlins. So it does. It does. Only your show. <laughs> well, hey, let's dive right in. So last time you and I, man, we had some fun. And I was like, you know, I, I hate, I don't want to say hey, hate's a strong word, but I don't like missing out on content because I thought that show was awesome. And I said, you know, if and when we they come back, we're just gonna have to really one up it, right? So we have to, <laughs> so we've got now obviously both of you on, on the line here and you guys obviously built your brand together, obviously. So, I mean, Andrew, why don't you catch us up here? Uh, wh- help our audience understand why you two are such a, a partner in crime, or I should say partner in success. Well, um, uh, Al and I are married, and uh, we've managed to um, uh, practice law together in the old days and uh, <laughs> written uh, two, uh, uh, two books together. And... Um, uh, how we decided to do this together was because we both have a different take on what the gender bias issues are. Hmm. And having both a male and a female voice is very important in a space that is very often uh, dominated and um, only talked about among women. Uh, and uh, I knew I couldn't possibly write the two books by myself without Al's help and okay. counsel and participation. So that's, uh, so that's the, that's how you got the two of us together. Well, I love, I love the fact of the counsel component too, because that's a, it's a, that's a term used in the legal profession. And obviously that's how you two got connected, right? That's right. Absolutely. Well, you've got me a little intimidated now. If you and Andy had so much fun the first time and it's not <laughs> so good, I'm worried that bringing me along is just extra baggage. It's well, I mean, work. heck, come on, Al. You married her. You know she's got she's going to deliver the punch, man. She she brought she brought the content. So yeah, the question is whether I can too. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, so you, so you guys got together and built. 
obviously now now two books, right? So, I mean, Al, did you ever expect to become like double authors together, doing all the public speaking you guys really, I mean, going way back, that wasn't the initial game plan, was it? No, not, not, not when we, well, we, we've known each other for quite a while, (laughs) but we did practice law together for almost 15 years before Andy's practice got too big for our little law firm. Okay. Uh, So she had to leave a hundred person firm to go to a 1500 person firm in order to have a platform that was big enough for. Wow. Uh, So even when she left, we were writing together during that period. We were mostly writing professional stuff, legal stuff, stuff about financial regulation. And then when Andy started not long after that to write about gender discrimination, inclusion, uh, we recognized that we could bounce ideas off of each other. She would have a perspective and I would have a different one. And so what we found is that, you know, two's better than one. So you two started serving as each other's sounding boards, so to speak. Absolutely. Okay. You guys are teaching me uh, something. I'll have to to use this with my wife. I I just got married in March. So maybe this is my secret weapon that I'm missing out on. I'm not using her enough for a sounding board. (laughs) It's a good suggestion. It's a good suggestion. Okay. I mean, you guys have been doing this for a while and you're pretty successful. So I'm I'm thinking you're setting a great example here. So. Uh Well, Well, we have lots of people that come and tell us, oh, my God, I could never do that with my husband. I could never do that with my wife. Well, we find it's the most fun we have. Well, I got to ask. Come on. All right. I'm the the newlywed. So you mean to tell me all these years, has it always been professionally, I don't know, balanced? I mean, things have to get heated from time to time, right? I mean, this is normal life. I don't know. How do you you guys just that, that dialed in? You guys well, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little more high strung than Elle is. So. Okay, so you're, you're me in my relationship. Okay, okay. <laughs> and Elle's, uh, Elle's your wife in the, in your relationship. Yeah, she's the multi doctor. Just very, uh, her favorite keyword is I'm a realist, whereas I'm the visionary. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, if that helps you guys a little bit. <laughs> well, I will say that uh, there was never a time when writing the second book when we didn't talk to each other, but writing the first book. There was one 12-hour period when we refused to talk to each other. So it isn't all uh, it isn't all sweetness and light. Sometimes it gets a little rugged. Well, what, what part was that? I mean, come on, you can't just skip right over. Let's go. Uh, well, it's very interesting because um, in breaking through bias, uh, we set it up so that there's conversations that women have with themselves about how to succeed in the workplace, and then conversations with others. And one of the issues about conversations with other people include the impressions that we give to other people by verbal, nonverbal, and written communications. And when we got to the um, section of our book about appearance, that was where we had 12 hours where we were not talking to each other. Uh It turns out that um, Al wanted to be a little more prescriptive about what you should or shouldn't do to start with. And I thought that was crazy. And so (laughs) um, uh, we ended up uh, uh, compromising where we gave three different examples of three very powerful women 
who are totally, totally different in the way that they appear and present themselves. And basically we said, you know, we're not going to tell you what is going to work for you. What we're going to do is we're going to give you these examples. So Christine Lagarde, who's the um, head of the um, uh, International Monetary Fund, um, mm -hmm. she always has a tailored uh, 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 skirt suit on with a scarf. And okay. the fact that her scarves are antique Hermes scarves that are about $40,000, $60,000 each. A for, a, for a scarf. The first scarf. You would never know that unless you know what scarf she's actually wearing. Okay. Uh, so she um, uh, has, that's her style, and she always looks that way. Um, Cheryl Sandberg, who. Uh, hold on, just for fun, because we're on video for YouTube as well. I got to do some screen sharing. So, okay. so would this be one of the scarves? Uh, no, that's not. It would be have texture to color to it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. You know, you're getting warm, though. See, oh, here so we go. Here's some colorful. Okay, yes, it could be that. Okay. It could be any, could be any that has a pattern to it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, most of them are very expensive. I can, um, I can see. I mean, well, here we go. This one looks very nice. So yeah, yes, okay. yes. Okay. That's a standard outfit. But she knows, I mean, she looks very, um, would, would I be using the right term, conservative, I guess? Yes, conservative okay. and professional. And okay. elegant, I would think. Very elegant. Oh, yes. Yes. She looks very composed. She is, absolutely. Yeah. Then. Carol Sandberg almost always has a little sweater set on, a little uh, uh, scooped uh, under, under uh, like a shell with a little sweater over it. Now you're referring to Facebook, right? Yes, Facebook, okay. Carol yeah. Sandberg, right. So she's wearing uh, uh, this sort of sweater set concept. Hmm. And then there's... I find that here. Yeah. You could see a lot of them are little... She's definitely not a scarf girl. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> she uh, just wear a lot of jackets and sweaters, and yeah, yeah. But mostly, see the the far left, third row down, one below that. See that sort of a, a it could be a, a jacket now. Yeah, she does have a lot of. Oh, that's a sweater. Yeah, there you go. That's a sweater jacket. Yeah. She would wear sweater and a two sweaters, a, a, a sleeveless sweater and a long sleeve sweater. Okay, all right. And um, and, and what then does she the, represent then? Well, a different style of a powerful woman. Okay. Um, and then um, the third one was our UN ambassador. Um, Samantha Powers. Samantha Powers. Oh, yes. And Samantha kind of dresses like she... Does it in the dark. <laughs> All right, we got to bring her up. So hold on here. All right, so... Uh, Not anymore, but she did when four years ago when we when we wrote the first book. Now, so, when, when you say that, are you referring to just, again, more conservative or... No, just sort of, you like, know... Like here's, like, here's a sleeveless shot, so... Okay, but, well, that's very... That, that looks... She looks great there. Yeah, yeah. But then we've got... Well, I mean, it's there's all... a mismatch of stuff. That's yeah, a nice yeah. photo, too. You're picking all the good ones. Yeah. Well, what am I looking for, then? <laughs> looking for... Uh... Uh, 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 basically an approach to clothes in which says, I don't give a damn what I wear. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm, I'm going off of whatever Google spits up to me first. And it seems like they're bringing a lot of their political stuff where, I mean, so you're saying that she, would she normally wear a lot of that stuff in her political opportunities or, I mean, because she like here, here she's in a pantsuit. Casual and more, yeah. you know, sort of whatever. Okay. All right. Um, and so we had a difference of opinion about, 
how to describe these three women. Okay. And, um, but the bottom line was that we agreed on the concept, which is you could be powerful dressed any way you want, True. as long True. as you perceive power, you, you, you are perceived as powerful. And okay. that you're, and that you find uh, that you're comfortable in your own skin, but also in your own clothes. You've okay. got to find a, a way to both present yourself and uh, at, present yourself in the way you dress, present yourself in the way you talk, present yourself in the way you gesture, present yourself in the way that you hold yourself. All of those things are important for impression management. Well, I love what you're tapping into here because multiple times on this show's history, because we talk about health, business, and lifestyle. And one right. of the whole undermining reasons for this show is that I could pretty much bring on almost anybody to be a guest co-host as long as they understand that the theme here is teaching people how to balance it. And what you're referring to here is a lot of people don't realize how they come across to people. And in past shows, we've talked about uh, the learning component of there's visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learners. Right. And that's kind of what you're tapping into here is that people are going to hear you, see you, or, or again, back to seeing you, but see how you physically maneuver right. differently, your yeah, mannerisms. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all this well, ties back to the workplace. Absolutely. And so the, the bottom line in the workplace is that we all have different ways of presenting ourselves, which if from a communication standpoint, I would be more effective if I was saying to you, Scott, the answer to such and such is X. Mm -hmm. But if instead I were to say to you, the, you know, this may be a dumb idea, but the answer might be X mm -hmm. or sorry to bother you, but, or um, maybe See, I missed it. You know, all of that stuff, which, which by the time I tell you something brilliant, your eyes have rolled into the back of your head and you're not going to take whatever I say. You've come across less confident. If you, if you start with an apology, if you're trying to make a statement or, you know, and have people take you seriously, you, you, you have to come across confident. So, exactly. yeah. So, so these are ways, what Andy was talking about are, you know, speaking techniques, but also all of that presentation is about, uh, an effort to present yourself, that is for a woman to present herself, in ways that will avoid or overcome the stereotypes that people with whom she's dealing are likely to have about women qua women. Okay. But you want to get across a notion of, don't think about me as qua woman. Think about me as me. This is who I am. This is the kind of talent that I bring to this situation, the ambition that I have, the capacity, the talent, the accomplishments. So whether you're a veterinarian or a fighter pilot or yeah. a um, or a lawyer or, a, or an Indian chief, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you are, um, that you want to be certain that people are viewing you and thinking about you as that, not just, oh, a woman and then sure, all sure. the baggage, the stereotypes that they have about women, men, leaders, families, workplace is going to, they're going to carry those bags along with them. Well, that was something that when we first tried to record, uh, we obviously referred to my own wife. Obviously, she's a doctor of veterinary medicine as well as a doctor of chiropractic for animals. So, you know, she doesn't 
I have the ability to dress very professionally because I don't always look like this. I put suits on and I go speak in front of you know hundreds of people. Sure. Um, she doesn't like to do that. <laughs> Usually she's in scrubs half the time. Watch the animals. <laughs> you know, exactly. So she's, she's there to, her professional attire impresses the medical community or the, you know, the animals that she's dealing with. So, uh, it's just not her, her target audience, I think is a good term for this. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that makes perfect sense. But then again, obviously if she would go to a class reunion, uh, cause she was just at Cornell at her reunion, uh-huh. I'm sure, they, I'm sure she dressed a little bit nicer there, uh, to be around her colleagues and her fellow alumni. So it's all about adapting to your environment as well. Correct. Exactly. And, and, and to go back to the clothing um, uh, metaphor for a mm-hmm. minute, um, if our, our personality, all of the characteristics that we bring to um, every communication we have, whether it's a work communication, whether it's, it, it, it's between um, uh, people who are friends or lovers or whatever, it's as if we have a closet full of characteristics hmm. that we can open up the door and figure out what's going to be most effective in this particular situation, which is which is part of the reason why very often um, uh, women and men who 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 have high level positions will come home and it's like, don't talk to me like I'm your staff. You know, uh, that sort of, that sort of, you know, there's a different way of communicating with different people. Well, now, so obviously you two have been together for a long time. So obviously I would like to say, because Andrew, you and I talked about this last time, uh, I would like to say that things have progressed, but they haven't, let's be real. Uh, But obviously back when you two met, that was even more of a struggle back then, right? I mean, things have, have softened a little bit. I mean, there's a way more professionalism and more, way more professional women, you know, in executive level positions. Uh, so, there are. There I mean, are. yeah. But, so, but, 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 mm-hmm. the statistics show that there have been really no dramatic changes since the mid-1990s. Mm. There was a lot of progress <clears throat> earlier between the late 60s and the 90s were really the age of women mm-hmm. it was uh you'll remember that commercial that was on you're old enough to remember it you've come a long way baby oh yeah uh well women had come a long way and they but when that commercial went off the air mid 90s mid 90s women women's progress in terms of closing that gender achievement gap came to a screeching halt and we're trying right now to get that momentum going again. So what would you say is the biggest trigger for that? Like you see all this momentum and then it flatlines and if anything might've uh, digressed a little. Uh, so what, what does it I mean? Obviously I'm guessing this is probably all in the books too, but I mean, <laughs> is it, is it society? It, what, what, what was, what do you think that caused it to flatline and lose its momentum? Well, I think there are several things, but I'll, um, say something against my own gender here. I think (laughs) men got sick and tired of all these powerful, strong women seeming to take over their space. They just decided that, uh, you know, that isn't the world we want to live in. We want to live in a world in which men control organizations, men control organizations that have masculine gender norms, mm-hmm. values, expectations. We want women to be deferential. We want them to be 
nice now, and kind and sweet. Now, when he's saying we, that doesn't mean him. Right, right, right. He's referring <laughs> to the male genre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, um, cut out my tongue if I would. I, I agree with you because I would like I would like to consider myself a modern man as well. But obviously, I I've had to learn that. Uh, obviously, I would. There's there's no way I would have married my my wife if. Uh, I still had my head up my ass to go. Let's put it as simply as that. Um, that's actually a quote that I use all the time now, just to help you ladies know that I actually do know that my head probably is still a little bit up there, but, and my wife would be happy to cow me out on it. Uh, but the point is, is she's a strong, successful woman. Uh, she's just not, might not be as outgoing as some of these executive types, but she's an entrepreneur. She owns her own practice. She has right. doctors working for her. I'm very proud of her. Um, but one thing that I know that a, a, she brings to the table that us men, because I've I've interviewed psychologists and psychiatrists on the show, so I mean we can hit on different things that you guys all are tied into here. Is that there's a natural trait that women can just multitask like a like a freaking machine. I don't know what it is. Like you girls, you ladies can just flip the switch and immediately move to the next thing. Where a lot of us guys, we're kind of stuck on something. And uh, different professionals have referred to this in a different way, but I it always stuck in my head. I'm like, you know, that's what frustrates me sometimes because she's already moving on to the next thing. And I'm like, no, we haven't dealt with this. <laughs> and well, was, in our family, we refer to that as linear thinking mm. for the guys and all over the place for the women. But okay. Can be very effective. No, it's very effective because uh, I, I've seen it in the business space as well. Is that uh, we need to finish a uh, we as in guys. A lot of us need to finish that task or that job, and if we get too many on on the docket, so to speak, all of a sudden the stress increases, uh, the anxiety increases. And again, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in the female front too, but I'm just saying I could speak to this. I mean, I I used to brag about being the multitasker, but I'm sorry. You only have so much bandwidth. You only have so much capacity. So, well, yeah. I think that's certainly true for me. Uh, and sometimes it's sometimes that's one of the reasons that it's difficult for men and women to um, appreciate their their respective talents because mm. the men want to do it a particular way, and the women want to do it in another way. Mm. And sometimes in business, in particular, when you have an organizational structure and you've got men in control. And you've got women who are not comfortable or satisfied just going linearly. Mm-hmm. That they're more creative. That they're more innovative. That they're they're they just think uh, out out there more aggressively in the sense of expansively than the men do. And and I would recommend very often to women when they say, you know, I don't think I'm being heard, or I get comments back or criticism that you know, I'm not a careful or thoughtful thinker, when in fact, I've got all these great ideas, very often, what I'll suggest or Al will suggest to a woman is, go ahead, write whatever it is, or put together whatever it is, but then think about creating an executive summary, something where you can explain in a small space, how, what it is your findings are, your conclusions, whatever, and then the rest of it is available for that as much as people want to peel back, they're able to peel back the layers. Hmm. But at least you've answered the question up front. And that's, um, that's very effective for women who want to go over and show you all the different places they've traveled to get to their conclusion. So do you find then, 
I mean, it's first of all, I have two parts of this question because <laughs> you got my brain going now. So one is, do you find that people uh, or women, professional women, there sure. might be meeting with both of you, right? Which one of you want to listen to you more, right? Because like obviously Al's the guy, and obviously you're you're the fellow female. Is there a balance there? Well, that's a very great question because both men and women have stereotypes that men are more competent and 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 um, than women. Hmm. So there are some women who will think that if Al says it, it's going to be more important than if I say it. Really? Yes. Wow. And, um, there are men. If I told them what the answer is, their eyes would roll up into the back of their heads and they would think, who does she think she is? Mm. But if Al says exactly the same thing, they're riveted. So um, it's part of how do you manage, you know, accomplishing what your mission is, knowing that there are different strengths and weaknesses depending on the stereotypes that the person you're interacting with might have. Part of that may also be the the nature of the space that we're in. Okay, it is very unusual uh, to find men who are willing to speak and write and be active in this diversity gender area. That it's so dominated by women that when there's a man there that appears to know what he's talking about appears to be um, insightful and in some way on their side. Okay. It's very much as though these women think, oh my God, there's finally a guy that gets it. He must be terrific. And so I often get a lot more credit than I deserve <laughs> simply because simply because I'm in a space without a lot of other male competition. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I've gotten, especially in the past couple of years, I could thank maybe podcasting to help me grow. Or also, I've been upset. I've talked to your, your wife about this. You know, priorly was that, you know, I think you eventually you reach this point where you're growing, and I'm a strong supporter of personal and professional growth events. You know, go out not just consuming books, but going to live events, seeing how other professionals are interacting, and finding the ones that are truly symbolizing growth. And I tell people all the time, like. Maybe I'm considered more of a modern man now. I know I still have you know room to improve, but I could tell you a few times I was just at a, a conference, a brand new one called Growth Now Movement, and mm -hmm. here in, based here in Pennsylvania, and there was women that I met from just outside of New York City. So these these ladies were hardcore Jersey girls, very independent, and they even mentioned to me like you know you're not like most guys we meet, and you're actually very forthcoming and outgoing and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm already married. Uh, I made a joke out of it, <laughs> but they, they appreciated how open I was. And I said, well, and Andrew, you and I talked about this last time was that I could probably thank, I spent years working for a company called T-Mobile. Most people know of the cell companies and most of my leadership were women. And that's the telecom space, the call center space. I don't know if it's because just women are better at communicating than we are. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I would say once I got into management too, 60 to 70% of my teams uh, were female versus male. So, Interesting. Yeah. That's telecom. That's call center world. But, you know. Call center space is, is, it has a significant percentage of women. Yeah. And I was, but I was always impressed by that because, I mean, these are multi, multi million dollar company. I mean, even yeah. the CEO went right before I had left that company, the CEO, they hired a, uh, the female CEO from Walmart. So like they even went all the way to the top with this. So it was very impressive to see that progressive movement in, in a company like that. 
So uh, obviously, you guys do not see that everywhere. <laughs> no, we we love we we love to to. We love to to share the joy when there are companies that do that, but unfortunately, um, the the work world is still at the senior levels, predominantly male. Well, and what you guys are sharing here is is, more, is this isn't just if I if I can just pause on this, sure. it's not just about helping women in the workplace. I can attest to this, that I personally put my own clients through. I, one of my favorite books is uh, Strengths Finder 2.0. I bring it up all the time. I also have recently in the past six months or so uh, fallen in love with a classic uh, called The Five Love Languages. Uh, but whether you're doing these psychological analysis tests or whatever, they're all helping you realizing how you may be communicating or how other people see you or maybe some secret strengths that you didn't know you had, but people never saw that in you because you weren't being yourself, so to speak. Uh, how do you guys talk to stuff like that? Because there's so many tools out there, right? Besides your books. Well, the, the, the one of the things is that um, uh, there's, because we have a closet full of characteristics, um, there is no one authentic you. Okay. And so one of the things that women very often are held back because we're told all the time, you have to be authentic. Mm. You know, you have to be who you are. When in reality, men aren't told you have to be authentic. They're just told, get the job done. <laughs> so if a woman's going to get the job done, she's also told, well, you have to be authentic. That's a stereotype that somehow women are supposed to be different from um, you know, uh, behave a particular way and not be as flexible as men are. Huh. But but this is all against the background that women are fighting uh, the gender stereotypes that that put them into uh, what we call a uh, lose lose or double bind. Uh, what we call the Goldilocks dilemma. Hmm. If, Women are expected to be nice and kind and sweet and friendly and caring. But when they are, they're not seen as having the characteristics demanded of a leader. On the other hand, when they behave in a agentic way, that is like men do most of the time, hmm. when they are active and decisive and forceful and strong, then they are seen possibly as competent, but certainly not likable, not they're seen as cold, as selfish, as bitches. Yep. So that they, they've got to lose-lose. And so the communication trick for women, uh, the clothes that they've got to pull out of that closet that Andy was talking about, are some clothes that are going to let them be just right, that is, attitudes, behavior, speech patterns, presentation that are going to allow them to appear neither too soft nor too hard, but just right. And guys don't have that problem. So sure. in gender biased workplaces, the Goldilocks dilemma is a big issue. And we've got a, a change this manifesto about the Goldilocks, um, the Goldilocks dilemma, where we talk about sort of what it is and how ways that it can be overcome. And, and I think that one of the key issues here is to circle back to what you said about um, being comfortable in your skin, that you can be more um, uh, thoughtful and, 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 and display 
a wider range of characteristics. That's really why it's so important, I think, that ale is part of the conversation mm -hmm. because we need men to know that it's okay and that it's okay for them to be kind and nice and sweet and helpful and they can still be competent and successful and that they can help women advance in their careers and it's not really taking them down to th have the boat float for everybody basically yeah i see i remember this when you know you know i briefly had brought this up uh remember i bringing up the the woman her brand's called uh the sexy boss yes uh -huh. heather havenwood and for your benefit actually i'll do a quick little screen share here because she was on the, she's already been on the show um but obviously her brand is you know be own who you are and obviously be confident as a sexy boss, whether you're wearing a skirt or a pants suit or anything. Uh, because it's funny if you follow her on you know, social media, I mean, she's been a bodybuilder and everything else just to prove her strength. But something that we ended up bringing up on the show from her was, you know, she mentions how the whole point of this is that if you want to be sexy, be sexy. If you want to be professional, be professional. You can be both. And I think a lot of, a lot of things we brought up, was also about this confusion that has developed over the years of some women have tried so hard to be that amazing executive that they've they've channeled so much masculinity that they've forgotten their femininity. And there is a balance there, isn't there? Just like with men too. Like, hey, you're, you're trying to be more approachable to a woman, and this is not a dating show. But it's like, <laughs> if, you, if you turn into a wet noodle women are not going to be attracted to you. You're a man for a reason. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just keeping it casual and fun, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> let you go first. No, no question about it. Uh, men have to fit into um, a stereotype box, just like women do. Okay. Uh, women, men are expected to be decisive and strong. Their trick is to come off as competent and forceful and decisive and caring and open and able to show their softer side okay. so that the men that we truly admire are not the wet noodles and they're not the John Wayne characters either. Mm. They are someone who can display a capacity for compassion and decisiveness. And if I could just add to the sexy boss comment, um, oh, yeah. I think what we talked about last time was that when you're the boss, you can be whatever you want to be, because at that point you're in control. Okay. But if you're working your way up the food chain or up the ladder, it's not as easy to be necessarily sexy or provocative because that's going to send the wrong message. True people who are going to be deciding whether you've got what it takes to make it to the next level of your career. So that's interesting. So are you, uh, would you say there's a timing to, I guess, a lot of this? Like, obviously, hey, where are you at in the process? Like, yes. I, I, as, as sad as it sounds, it's like, okay, well, when you're, when you are the six figure top executive or seven figure top executive, then go ahead and wear what the heck you want. But then again, even then, well, it, can you, can you not? Right, right, right. Yes. Uh, well, certainly it gets easier the farther up you move. True. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> you've, got, Obvious. You, you've got far more leeway, both as to your the way you express yourself, as the way you come across, the way you appear. Uh, 
if you're a, let's just take our profession, if you're a beginning female associate in a law firm, Mm -hmm. uh, the range of your behavior that's going to be, that's going to help you advance in your career is far more limited than the range of behavior that that senior woman partner has available to her and her interactions. So it is a matter of timing. It's also a matter of context, situation, uh, uh, objective, and industry. Uh, the, The women on Wall Street are far more limited in their behavior than the women in Silicon Valley, than the women in in tech that you were talking about. Uh, that I can agree with. There. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely agree. I, I truly do feel that whether you're male or female, you look at the financial sector, because I tried dabbling in it and I couldn't stand it. It was old school. It felt archaic. It felt very constrictive. It felt very conservative. And right. I, I did. I, I went and ha- I had, I got my licenses with the federal government. I was certified with FINRA and everything else. And then I got into it. And I'm like, dear God, get me the hell out of here. Because uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd already spent time in the tech space. And this is before you know, I, I decided to leave it all and go be a firefighter out West, but it was just the, it goes back to also just embracing change and rolling with it in life. But at the point here is that it's each industry is different and yes. there is a level of adaptation that I think I truly believe this, the sooner you can embrace change and adapt, the more successful you will be. I don't care what sector you're in. Is that something that commonly comes up? Clearly. And, and it's like, um, um, you can't expect a plant-eating dinosaur to all of a sudden be able to be a carnivore. Hmm. You know, you're not. You couldn't have given them a file and say, "Get your teeth changed," yeah. so that you can tear the meat apart. So, you know, you 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 are a particular. There are certain things that you can't change, but there are ways of adapting that can allow you to, um, you know, succeed in different environments and keeping in mind the context. But also, also, I think it's important that we recognize that these industries are not frozen in stone. That if we could get to the men that run them and convince them as to the fact that they could be more successful, more, more profitable, money. more interactive, if they would just change their culture a little, little by little. That is, there's nothing that says that just because you're an investment banker, you have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. There are lots of ways to be successful. The West Coast bankers are far different than the Wall Street bankers. And uh, as far as I can tell, they make just as much money. This is true. I mean, the some people claim that the, the suit you wear identifies your salary. And I'm like, I don't believe in that. I know some top investment bankers that I've met at conferences that are wearing shorts or jeans and a dress shirt. They're not wearing a three-piece suit. Come on. So, yeah, exactly. um, so, I, so I, we are coming towards the end of our time. So I want to make sure before we move any further, I want to make sure I did give some shout outs here to something on your site. Everything you guys have been sharing with us today. Uh, and Andrew helped me understand this earlier. I love the fact that you guys built out assessments. So I wanted to make sure we at least shared that. I'm going to throw that up on the video feed here too, because yes, obviously, let me switch back here. You know, we're promoting the books, which are already in the backdrop behind you, which again, people listening to this, if you want to see this, you know, go watch on YouTube. It's always up. Uh, but obviously there's the two books. Uh, but I, more importantly, I love the fact you put together assessments and workplace surveys. Mm-hmm. And let's help people understand why these are so important. 
Well, the, the um, uh, assessment in particular is very important because we've got 10 potentially gender biased work, workplace situations where people are asked to answer the questions as if they were a woman in that situation. Okay. And what's made it so powerful is that the men that take the assessment who put themselves in the, you know, the, the shoes of a woman to answer the questions have sent us amazing emails with responses to, I never thought it was so hard, or I didn't understand the issues that women face until I actually tried to work my way through those questions. Okay. And so we would love for men and women to go to our website and to take the assessment. It's up on the navigation bar where it says surveys is how you can get to it. Right there, yep. Right there. And the workplace bias survey is useful as well because that provides us with information about what people care about so that we can, you know, tailor our blogs and, um, you know, our research to accommodate those sorts of um, uh, the issues that are important to, to our, our, our viewers, our listeners, our um, people who've joined the conversation with us. Okay. So would you say, well, actually, let me ask you, do you have any data? Which one's uh, doing better? Which one's used more? The survey is, is used a good deal more. The I mean, the, the assessment. The assessment. Okay. So you recommend yeah. everybody starts there? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yes. If they're going to do one thing, that's Go what to they the ought assessment. to do. Go to the assessment. Well, and we'll have a, a new assessment for our new book should be up in, you know, the new book comes out in uh, August. And uh, so we'll have an assessment tied to the new book, um, It's Not You, It's the Workplace, uh, sometime probably September or so. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's I remember that was mentioned last time. I wasn't sure we were going to see the third survey by the time we got a chance to record this. So uh, obviously when that does get released, uh, if we get this show up before then, no big deal. We'll just add it into the show notes. So just feel free to email me back and I'll make sure my team gets it added into the blog notes that way everything stays current and you have the current stuff up there. Cause I'll link, we'll make sure we link all the surveys individually and not just the site. That way people get there from the, you know, one click happiness. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> we appreciate Thank that. You. Well, I tell you all the time, I'm a, I'm a sales and marketing professional. It's like, listen, it's about the user experience. Make it easier. Exactly. <laughs> We're with you. So this, and this has been great. I'm so glad we got a chance to, I'm actually glad we had tef- technical difficulties because it helped me meet out. So I got to, I got to get, I got both strengths on the show. So, and now, now I understand, I understand why you two feed so well off of each other. So you see the great, you set a great example. Thanks. I'm glad I got a chance to uh, meet you as well. Yeah. Well, listen real quick though, as we're closing the show out, uh, I actually prefer to have you guys help us close the show out because you're the guest co-host. So, you know, three, three books about to be, uh, you know, out there years of experience together, years of law practice, and obviously a lot of time talking to male and female uh, influencers too. What What is like, is there anything all encompassing that you two are really trying to leave behind the world? Obviously, besides obviously a more balanced workplace, but is there something you want to leave behind for the audience? You, could, you want to go first? and I'll Well, yeah, what okay. I guess I would like to leave behind is that men need to get involved in this issue. Men have too long left it to women. They've said that diversity is a women's issue. Uh, Inclusion is a women's issue. It's not. It's everybody's issue. And if there was one thing that I'm trying to leave behind, 
it's the notion that men need to be more involved. Mm. Well said. And for me, what I would suggest that is that um, for women and men, very often perfection's overrated. And that if we strive for just perfection, what happens is we're never going to get to see or experience half of the world that is out there because we will be holding ourselves back. Mm -hmm. And so oh, perfection's overrated and having a sense of humor can help us go a very long way in dealing with the, um, the stereotypes and the biases that we confront, whether we're a man or a woman, whether they're in the workplace or in society. Wow, I love that. Well, well, there you go. Hold on. Hang time. I'll give you a proper goodbye, proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to shorten that up. And what's ringing in my head right now is let's stop striving for perfection and strive for a little more amusement and a little more uh, hilarity in life because I know laughter makes me feel better. So, and it, people do need to soften up. Like, seriously, guys, like, take a chill pill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Al. That was Andrea. Remember, andyandal.com. Check out the books, Breaking Through Bias. It's not you, it's the workplace coming out in August again? Yes. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. If you can't find a way to take the message you got here today and apply it in just one of those domains, uh, I, I think you need to go back and listen to the show again. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another Live the Fuel show. And remember, you too can live the fuel, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com. Live the Fuel.